0: Hey, we are Agnes and Michael Fritz. We currently live and work in Los Angeles and are the founders of Vivo Agua in California. The mission of our foundation is to supply countries like Ethiopia, Nepal and Uganda with clean drinking water. Our aim is to do this by intersecting the clean water mission with a love for art, sports, music and culture. Our podcast focuses on the daily struggles of a social startup, running a business with your significant other, while raising a family and adjusting to life and cultural norms in a new country.
1: You want to have the good news or the bad news?
0: maybe this week (coughs) good news first
1: Uh, the good news is we have a place in the childcare yeah yeah
0: but the bad news
1: it costs like 1560
0: dollar it's insane it's insane Uh, but the really bad news we had this week because we didn't plan with the childcare that um, our friend who wanted to come to take care of Frida um, couldn't come out of like very uh, difficult reasons, I would say, but she couldn't come. And we had these news this week. And for me, this was emotionally a roller coaster because um, um, all the things we plan here um, uh, are really important. But for me, Frida is still the most important person here within the whole setting. So um, I really wanted to have someone um, who is also taking care of her. Um, and this was for me really hard to like deal with that situation, to be in a different country and have like no uh, really good uh, person and body for, for our two years old daughter, uh, which is also for her something different. So she comes here and all the kids on the playground and everywhere we go, they don't talk German and yeah so um it's important to have someone also uh, for her so we try to make plan b's right
1: and maybe for the people who think why the hell they need somebody to take care of the little one why they can't do it by themselves uh, we travel a lot and we said from the very beginning when we want to do viva Canaga, both and equal level and same kind of workload and everybody is able to travel to uganda and then uh, to ethiopia and stuff that we uh, need support on that Uh, so that was the reason why we had for the last year always somebody who supported us was living with us of course we also paid and we did that
0: for the last years i mean there was always interns living with us friends living with us so The family's already open. I had that. I was growing up with a mom who always invited, like, friends to stay at our place and to have, like, a bigger family. And I really like also the idea of, um, yeah, the the big family, like, it it was in former times. And to really share all the um, tasks and things you have to do around the household and um, also with the kids. But, But I don't like if, like, there's... I would not want now at that point to like pay to someone um as a nanny and maybe she doesn't speak the language of frida and she takes care for her everything is new so i always make sure that somehow for frida there's also some stability in that uh, system where we are traveling a lot and where we coming here and then maybe going back in summer and then coming back here you know so
1: i just Uh. laughed a little bit because um when i go to the playground there it's full of nannies basically and uh, spanish uh hispanic uh, ladies who take care of um yeah the re- venice kids let's put it like that so yeah this was a um a troubleshooting nevertheless we have a, a child care so it's basically kind of structure already there
0: and it's so insane think about that in hamburg we paid 17 euros you know for like
1: additional food
0: additional for childcare. yeah but
1: you like uh, yeah you only have
0: to pay additional food right exactly yeah. and here it's like two zeros more <laughs> but yeah that's a life here and yeah. because we put frida first that's that's like that's what we have to pay yeah.
1: we have to check how we finance that we will keep you in the loop for that but uh what else happened Ari, this week Uh, what you wanted to do and and did it work out what we
0: said is that we have this great workshop coming up with um the power water people the power water people is a couple um jack and Ellie, based in wyoming in the us and they started this company i think we told you um about last episode um and we had really cool uh intense days of like working and and mind mapping and Talking about roles and about plans and what we could do and what makes like most sense for both of us because they also have like a small Baby in the sense of like a project they want to like really push forward, which is also connected to water and We try to really um, bring all the things on the table as we say in Germany and talk honestly about all the things and um we already like yeah a lot of things clicked this week with in that workshop so um um i really like that uh, productive way we did that and i think we're now good to go like we did some we decided we did, we took some decisions and and they're open so we will have uh we will work together with them and there will be also then some sort of the founders of Viva Con Agua, California
1: and uh, they will also move to Los Angeles to start Vivo Conagua California together really here so it's uh, also i think a big step for them and yeah maybe they also come up with a family podcast about how to run a social business um what else you wanted to do and what have you done
0: um yeah t- t- taking uh, struggling with um childcare for Frida um and then also I was sitting together with Ellie already and we we're talking like about um, budget planning, annual planning, finances, all this stuff. Um, that was great. Um, what are the
1: big differences between the US and Germany? Like I I, I remember you struggled like almost half a day to uh, pay uh, our lawyers. And
0: I, the lawyer, yeah, I did it. Yeah, you and did, did it. it. You
1: succeeded, but uh, what was the problem? I because in I Germany, you pay probably like... They
0: used... To, like, for me, it's it's sometimes weird. Like, here in the US, some things are really advanced, you know? Like, when I go to the yoga class, which I started to do here, um, I have, like, an online account. I pay with the credit card okay. and everything is easy. I just tell my name and everything, you know? And then they will send me reminders on, I don't know, my plan and everything. And with... Banking, um, they still use checks, you know. So um, that's completely different. So Ellie told me she usually pays everything with um, checks, and we have to, of course, like set it up because I don't have any check anymore. Like I, I haven't had it. I think I had a check fifteen years ago uh, for traveling, just in case. It and everything check, yeah. traveler checks. That's the only. I'm, and I never use it. So, I but just how does it
1: work? <laughs> you, you you write a check and then you send it via post. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And then there's another system which we now used, which is something like PayPal, but it's included in the bank system. So, but you can only use it if the other person also uses it or the other bank uses it. So we were happy um, to to use that one. Um, and it's interesting. Like I got into the tax filing um, for the. Um, uh, financial departments here, so um, I, I did that for the past uh, one year as well, because we o- already set up the the non profit organization here. But sh- but sh- she explained me more, you know. So that's it was really interesting to get to dive into that. And of course, because now we set the plan to um, have a non profit organization legal entity, like it started in Germany. It started with that purpose driven idea to like collect donations for um people who don't have the privilege of clean drinking water and benny uh, realized that he has the privilege of like collecting donations and just uh jumping in there and then um the gemeinnützige ev uh, was uh, founded which is like um a really non-profit thing and you have a lot of members and it's it's completely different and here um the systems usually work differently um, but we have also set first a non-profit here. And now we will add um, a, nonprofit, a a for-profit organization. So we will have um, a limited uh, corporation. It's called like that. Um, and we will link them up. Um, so yeah. And she explained me a little bit about that. And I explained to her about how we usually um, calculate with the figures and numbers and whatever. And how we do that. And we came up with like an annual plan for... Just a guess, you know, like how much money we would need if we would um, start with our social business ideas. And maybe that's a question for you. Um, I know that you also had the first uh, meetings together with Jack to um, have a look uh, and at the social business ideas.
1: Yeah, we had some meetings in, uh, I think it was near downtown, uh, with a toilet paper company, which was quite funny because... The guy actually um, was really nice to us and he took a lot of time, which is not normal in the US because people don't waste time a lot because I think LA is just too expensive to waste time. Um, And he gave us a lot of information about it. But frankly speaking, he was also laughing about us because he thinks um, it will not work out the way we did it in, in Germany. And it was also very interesting when he said something about like that it's good for concerning the money and I replied, yeah, but it's not good for the planet. Uh, He was, in a way, a little bit laughing and saying, like, who cares? So they have really white toilet paper here. It needs to be white, so this printing, like we do it in Germany, will probably not work. And then it's also not really working as a licensing model, which we have in Germany, so that they produce it how is it in
0: Germany maybe you can explain that shortly
1: our company we're working together is Vepa or uh, Husema Source which is the water and the toilet paper and they produce it and they also distribute it and they just pay a license fee to Vivo Conagua like uh, it depends the toilet paper is around 35 uh, cent I think twice one time to the uh, GMBH of Vivo Conagua and Goldammer and uh, the Vivo Conagua water bottles between 7 to 15 cent and they just pay to Vivo Conagua and that's the money Vivo Conagua earns so but the hard job is done by the producer and the distributor and we just do the communication and do the big accounts and here in the US production and distribution is always separated so you will not find somebody so basically it means You have to uh, invest like probably $1 million to buy a lot of toilet paper and then you have to sell it and distribute it to big retailers. So basically we need a big partner like Whole Foods or Drader's Joe. So if Whole Foods or Drader's Joe is listening now, please contact us, California at Vivoconagua.us Yeah, uh, so this is um, basically, it was a little bit, um, how do you say, um, like, disappointing nevertheless I think it will be everything what we're trying to do here is on a long term scale Uh, you won't have like of course you will also have some quick wins and there's karma and magical things happen all the time but or at least in the Vivo Canagua world but the same Vivo Canagua took us 15 years now to be on that level where we are and it was hard work and it was activism and it was Stupid actions and campaigns and we did so much stupid stuff and so much stuff Which a lot of workload and a small impact um, and this will also be in the u.s. But yeah We had luckily this week the first donation coming in so it's already working
0: (laughs) And what I found interesting this week was um, To really feel and see the difference when it comes to um, how to set up a company Mm equity-wise and share-wise and investor um, um, percentage and everything like that so um, jack and ellie are really open and i mean they already founded a social business so they had the same idea in mind and they still have but they're also saying but if you find a u.s investor you need like private equity to really boost it you know otherwise they will say but why and then the Vibo Conakwa perspective comes in, where I think it's really, um, um, how do you say that? It's really pure to like really say no, we, we don't earn it, we can't sell it in like ten years. Um, we want to have that for the public benefit, you know. So it will it will never be sold to a really weird company or whoever, um, and can be turned around. So and and this basic thing took us took us quite quite a lot of time to like figure out how we then do it to still have an incentive for investors
1: and to understand the difference that for the US people it only makes sense to found a company which you can sell because otherwise you can't make it big like they always say things like Uber and they are not sponsoring our uh, uh, podcast yet but maybe soon so write us an email again Um, no but um, like companies big companies where they have uh, actually they investors didn 't make any money, but it becomes more wealthy and wealthy and wealthy because they invest uh, need investors and money all the time, but they don 't really make money, so it 's not profitable so it 's a crazy snowball system, and yeah the crash will come, so get your money safe
0: <laughs> <laughs> What uh, else
1: did you do this week uh, I met a really um, interesting guys uh, from Norwegian and Norway, sorry, Norwegian guys, Mr. Savage. He's a really uh, young fellow who just donated us 125,000 dollar, uh, US dollars um, by winning a charity Fortnite game. Um for Vorkonagua and the eighteenth December of two thousand nineteen, maybe you remember too, because this was the night we got really drunk and the other day we had our uh, we had to move out of our apartment in Germany because we have been at semi deluxe and I said, You hey this guy is just winning the Fortnite ah, tournament for us. I remember or he was actually first he had like twenty five thousand on the uh, was winning the quarterfinals, then half finals. so uh, the later the Semi Deluxe concert went The bigger the amount of money he donated was And we could meet him Because he just signed a contract With the biggest um, gaming uh, company Also I think Drake is an investor there So it's a big thing It's called 100 Thieves here in LA And we met him Did the water is a human rights shooting And yeah, just yeah, got to meet his father Him and his manager Really smart guy 23 Impressively Young, but he already drove a Tesla with 19, and he was really cool and really um, smart. So this was interesting for us. Then the first donation I really celebrated because it comes by our long-term supporter Paul Ripke, and he donated more than five thousand dollars for Vivo Canagua. So it's like the what? Why you shaking hands? Because
0: I I thought that you already said that last year, last week. Ah,
1: but honestly, (laughs) everybody who (laughs) donates. Around five thousand dollars I will communicate it <laughs> in every podcast. So public uh, just donated five thousand, he's a co founder. Without him it would there would be no Viva like it is today. The whole blue Uga story you should watch if you haven't seen it. It's a nice documentary. It's an old one but a nice one with materia in Uganda and it was probably the Base and essentials for starting Vivo Conagua on the African soil with Vivo Conagua Uganda, the foundation 2017. And it's an interesting link to uh, um, um, another topic because I just heard a song and it's the first time I heard it. And it's about um, what's uh, the story behind the song?
0: I think that I, I, I also um, told you about um, our trip to Uganda last November and. Um, having lo- like a lot of musicians with us also from Uganda and I just heard a pre-version so this is not official yet of um, a song which was produced by Ghana with a lot of uh, German and, and Ugandan musicians and I was really happy to hear that and I know now it goes to the mastering and everything and, and um, hopefully I will see the video soon so there's also still some work linked with Germany and the other projects we're doing and other teams so I also had some calls late night, like at 11 o'clock and 12 o'clock to stay tuned and updated with the things happening in Germany and with the project we're working together internationally with our um, colleagues. So, um,
1: this is also and I
0: wanted to ask you, sorry. sorry. Can, I, I, can I say yeah?
1: something before you uh, ask? And this is uh, because when we had the first podcast, we spoke about the reason why we want to do it. And we also said it's about transparency and maybe it's a fear from myself that... Some people could think hey, they just enjoy life, but this is honestly something which I learned that most people who come from Germany to LA they work start around five to six working because they need the German time where because of the time shift. So you start early working and then you all time uh, sometimes also uh, work at night. So um, I actually work more than at home at the moment. And I just want to make that transparent because I'm really scared of people saying, "Ah, yeah, just just living there, enjoy the sun, enjoy the beach, and blah blah blah." I, I, it's so not, is this your biggest fear? It's not. About I mean, I
0: actually wanted to ask you that because I sometimes don't know how you cope with that, also on a physical level, because you you really wake up at like five to six a.m. in the morning and then work for Germany and the German projects for a couple of hours then we take care of Frida or you take care of Frida or whatever or you have some meetings and then um, you work all day long and then you have and then and then Germany already wakes up in the evening so it's it's starting again you know like we have different time slots and different um, time zones and LA time is of course during the day but then you're still doing like every day you're doing this in the
1: morning and in the evening I mean I mean Normally I don't give so much About what people say Of course feedback is important And it's also a corrective for me Because I do so much And I care about feedback But I don't care so much What people think about my. I don't have time to think about that Nevertheless on a moral and psychological level Yes I have this fear Or I don't want It's my inner anspruch What's anspruch? It's my inner expectation on myself that moving to another city and as a city like LA which is uh, there are so many projections on the rich people the sun the California the way of blah 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 of easy living the hippies and stuff and so that I don't want Viva Conagua to it should be all profit at the end and that's the reason why I'm sometimes scared and my expectations on really making an impact here are really high and i want but to be- i
0: would guess for example that if people here whatever wherever you go leave california now on the side but wherever you go and you found in your organization and you found maybe also social businesses which imply much like uh, much more effort because we need much more investment um uh you work hard Founding something is like not the easiest one. So you would never, I think, charge someone else to go somewhere and then just, I don't know, hang around the beach, you know?
1: Yes, and you know it because you founded something. And I think some people don't know it if they have not made that experience. Because honestly, my life seems to be... Sometimes I tell people I got kind of rockstar life without having groupies and without getting rich. Because you sneak in... All yeah. the backstage areas. <laughs> yeah, because I, you know, every day is different, and every day I work either with artists, musicians, soccer players, or whatever influencers, or with media or uh, social business, or so. It's every day is new, and so it's also really inspiring, and I meet a lot of creative, crazy, freaky, dynamic, active people, and. So, it could easily seem that it's really just like um, like that and some people, I get sometimes the feedback that I have the impression people think that we just hang around at the office and then these Ed Sheerans and Billie Eilish and, and how they uh, like can put up the list just come to the office and ask, hey, when I couldn't do the water as a human right shooting and stuff and people don't know how much work it is to get the access or where you have to go, the so the long ways and yes and that's sometimes i'm i'm scared of and i want people to have it transparent that uh, what we do and that was the reason yeah but you wanted to ask me that, that question yeah. while I jumped in? Yeah. Quite a, quite, quite and um, um
0: for me what i get as a feedback sometimes is linked to
1: how can you live with that man
0: yeah really, <laughs> people, <laughs> people ask me that a lot of times um is, uh, is generally about media. I mean, um, what what kind of what kind of images you project and send out. And I mean, um, you're really active on social media and um, people sometimes come to me and be like, yeah, yeah, no, you don't have to tell me how it is in California. I see everything on like social media of Michael and it looks great what you do, you know. So sometimes this also gives the impressions. So I think... A podcast can be there for like maybe showing also like some some downsides and the struggles um, but i would also say that maybe we all should be more transparent in also what kind of struggles and problems do we face and what are um maybe also some yeah some some dark days where we go through and what kind of emotions trigger us because i i see some people are out there sharing it transparently but it's it, it, it's it's hard um, to show your weaknesses, you know. So um, it's also hard for me. I was always um, um, people also see me like, yeah, you're always positive and whatever, and you get along with everyone, and you're
1: so beautiful, have and... a, <laughs> have
0: a night, like you you have so many like really cool projects and whatever. But um, I mean, of course, I won't answer them and say yeah. But it's really hard or whatever. I I don't cry that. That much, but still, like, there's, like, um, a lot of situations where I'm faced with, okay, how I'm going to deal with that. And um, usually we we won't post that on social media and share it. So I think there's, like, um, people calling, setting up this, saying, like, this is not working like that, we have to figure out, or everything is really short-term here. So I realized that when you want to, like, organize something more next week, they can call just one day before and say, just tell you, ah, sorry, we have a different plan. Sorry, it doesn't work. So. Um,
1: but there was a lot of stuff which worked out quite good. I mean, we got this uh, agency here, R.E.P. it's called. It's with Eddie. It was funny because I always tell the story a little bit that uh, last year we did this Water Week and there was this one exhibition downtown at, near Skid Row. And I know you love this exhibition, but for me it was, yeah, in a way no real impact apart from ourselves who bought two artworks uh, where we had to fight about it because I'm not allowed to buy more artworks to yeah, my because wife.
0: You're, you're spending all our <laughs> money on artwork we don't
1: have money so we don't have to care about money, this is what I always preach you, if you have too much money you care about money, if you have too little money you care about money because you. So, but the money we have is just perfect we don't have to care about it, it's coming in and it's immediately going out but yeah, so we <laughs> were the only art collectors or buyers at this art exhibition near Skid Row, which is the poorest city of uh, street in, in the US. And then there was this guy, Eddie, and he's a German guy but living for a long time in LA. And he uh, connected us to his agency. And yesterday I had a meeting with the CEO and the CMO. And they agreed on doing everything pro bono for Viro Conagua, so for free. And they now... Take care about the designs of the water bottles, about the gold armor designs, about a campaign which we can connect with Skid Row, which is quite interesting. And yeah, so this worked out quite well. Just so
0: explain Skid Row a little bit more. I mean, you said it's the poorest street. Yeah, it is one of the poorest streets here. It is the poorest streets here, but um, it's the poorest streets because... Um, I think there is more than 5,000 people living there without a house. So overall, I heard um, from Paul, who is um, doing great work with the Skid Row um, since the past past years, Um, there's more than 80,000 people living um, on the streets here in L.A. and he's saying that the the black figures are maybe double. So, um, and there's people just living like... um, in the cars who are also not counting Um, so yeah and the Skid Row is I would say the melting pot of a lot of people just going there and meeting up with other people and it's really a community so they're organized and everything Um, they have artists we wanted to work with them two years ago already and then we did now the exhibition close to it um, last year Um, but yeah it's just also insane what what kind of like um, scales you find here so, uh, my my hometown where I come from, Kirchheim Tech, <laughs> has like forty thousand um, uh, people living there.
1: Come from under
0: Tell Come from The city where I closely grew up <laughs> and went to school. <laughs> but yeah, it's, the figures are just so big here. And um, and also yesterday evening we were talking with um, Jack and Ali about about all the things. Um, um, people living on the streets here. Um, as we, ah, we um, we talked about South Dakota. We wanted to talk talk about South Dakota um, today, I think. Uh, so we talked about oh, all yes, the, the downsides here, also in the US and and the people and marginalized people living here within the society and having really no. Um, no ways of like going going back or being integrated into society and also politically no one knows how to deal with it so because there's no plan and there's no no real possibilities of, of how they can really change um, the living conditions for these people here on the streets so the story is that um, back in the days when uh, mental health care was closed um, um, I think
1: in the 80s under Ronald Reagan
0: yeah um, it started to being worse and worse and worse because people couldn't afford any health insurance um, and any any treatment when they have like mental when they had like mental issues, and um, so they yeah they started to go in the streets and to be there and no one uh, th- there's no way out.
1: But this is not the real story of South Dakota. No. So that's the story about Skid Row and. What's the story about South Dakota, Miss Fritz?
0: South Dakota is um, one of the many still existing um, Native American reservations here within the US. Um, and uh, we are now, I think, um, in contact with um, Christina Fuhrmann um, and Klaus Fuhrmann since I, I would guess one and a half or two years um, because we decided if we're going to move here and found Vivo Kunakwa here, And there is water problems within the country. So we also would like to look at um, the possibility of also having the projects um, in the country. And then you came across Klaus Forman because he's a great artist and did a lot of like Um, nice artworks um, also covers for the Beatles and everything so they're really linked to a big music scene Um, they run that for the past 20 years um, an NGO um, working or an organization working within the Native American Reservation also living there, Christina also got adopted by a big chief there and everything so um, their work was really linked up and, and then it was founded to just do some small projects there and um, as they're doing still uh, a lot of work, but they can't handle it and travel um, that much anymore, she wanted to look for someone who could maybe take over the work, which what what they were doing for the past twenty years. And they came across you, and they also have one project with safe water is a human right with a claim. And then we started to have a look at it. And you have been yeah. to the and then I also went there with. Um, still part still being part of their project team so they went there because they have a had a pilot phase um to clarify um, how you could work there and c- to clean the water so the, the basic story in south dakota is that um, it's a native american reservation they have public water supply but it doesn't reach out to everyone because it's um, when you go in there it's like not a town and people live just closely together but it, based out of historical reasons they have like land spread it all over uh, so they live in small trailers or houses um, all over the place and 60% um, of the people living within the Native American reservation they um, have access to public uh, to the public water system which is still not right, like being liable the, the whole year so sometimes um the pumps break and, and 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 they lack access. So also during winter time when they have like really cold cold winters, it's just not coming through. And then forty percent are um, uh, have the need to have like a private well. And um, the earth there has like natural occurring um, uranium, um, but also there is like a big big bombing range um, just close by. And there is because uranium is like a is like a. Um, <clears throat> Uh, a thing which um, a lot of companies also want you know and um, there's private companies interfering and um, digging out the uranium but not always taking care of uh, the cleaning and, and uh, the toxic waste disposal afterwards so they have had like um, a lot of like private companies coming in um, digging out uranium they have had bombing range, uh, range um, tests um, a big big area when you drive through that um, and 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 it's still um yeah, it's still a Native American reservation where people really um are dependent on um basically the the u s government and everything to to also help with these kind of situations um so um if there's not the help coming and water supplies is being built and stuff like that, they need to use their private wells and um this uh, they have then a lot of like uh, uranium be it like from natural resources or from the um, digging out, um, and and polluted water, um, and they have other toxic um, materials which are coming out. So, uh, but the biggest one is uranium. And the uh, Foreman um, organization, um, they uh, did like a they did a testing with like over 100 wells and found out that over 60 percent were polluted with um, uranium and. If you just look at the figures, they have 85% of um, unemployment unemployment rate rate is very high. I know a word in
1: English. Diabetes
0: diabetes rate is so, so, so high. Um, um, It's just the situation is just so, so, so bad. And they're really not capable in like doing something. And of course, like the cancer rate is really high. And I found it really interesting because we were there with a water engineer from Germany and he was taking care of like um naturally um, um like uh, digging out like um getting out the uranium in like we had the third biggest uranium mine in germany yeah. i learned that yeah. um in in the 70s 80s whatever and they were found out that all the the health <laughs> symptoms for the mine workers totally uh, working, there, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> working there working there and We're exactly the same when you are polluted by uh, uranium or radioactivity, you know, so and it's not like a scientifically proven that what the uranium does to the human body. But it's still like if you go to that Native American reservation and it's the same symptoms. So it's cancer, it's diabetes, it's um, child mortality is really high and, and all that bad stuff. So um, the pilot phase was about um, a water filter, where you filter out uranium, basically. It's very easy, and um, we did the water um, filter change. And um, now, because the pilot phase is, is done, um, we would be able to, like, um, did do it in a in a bigger scale. And there's, like, in this special um, uh, reservation, there's, like, 40,000... 40, People living in there, so 60% maybe have like some sort of water supply, but 40% still lack of that. And then out of that 100, which they uh, which they tested, over 60% have like a much higher uranium percentage, which is allowed in the U.S. In Germany, the rate is, is still different. Yeah. So um, even here, this is illegal, and they suffer a lot. And then they have all these symptoms, and healthcare is also an issue. So yeah you can, you know where where it goes um, and we really would like to uh, do one of our first projects there because I think that's that's just so um, intense what happens there.
1: So it could be that besides the project we're doing with our partner Veltungelf in Uganda and Ethiopia that we also support uh, the Native American reservoirs in um, in South Dakota. Also means Not only
0: in South Dakota, but within the US, yeah. but we start there because we have had this, I mean, it takes a long time if you're open up for like new projects and new project partners and also for new topics. So, I mean, we're, we're digging wells, we're um, building toilets, we're uh, facilitating hygiene training and all this stuff, but I mean, dealing with uranium is a different thing. But I think we're able to do it, but it needs time to like really invest and research and do the right things and also work with the right people who know that shit,
1: you know. And dealing with the culture is also, I think, a really important topic because like as as you told me, it's a lot about trust and that the Native American uh, topic is really highly sensitive uh, it's probably the same like working on the African soil sometimes as a white privileged human being boy or girl it doesn't matter in that case but uh, um, yeah so you have to be really sensitive about this topic too
0: For, from my point of view it's like they they should decide if they want support if they want to have projects if they want to solve that problem you know and it was very interesting because there, they also um, t- t- I was talking with a lot of people there, and they say, okay, water is sacred. The hills they have, the Black Hills, are one of the sacred, sacred. I don't know if you can say that. The most, most sacred, sacred hills um, within a lot of like Native American reservations here within the U.S. And there, the same happens like um, drilling of uranium by um, private companies. Uh, no really toxic waste disposal um, management facilities or they're just leaving and so they want to really care about their safe and sacred water and so the will is there and they really want to change something and but in that scale no one have used these kind of water filters for like private wells before that's why there was this um, pilot phase for the past years happening to really make sure that this is um, this is safe and um, also the water engineer coming with us was like yeah it's easy it's safe you can do it we have to um, find ways how you can do the waste disposal so it could be that the radioactive uh, radioactive material has to will, will pay will cost a lot you no know, because you have to pay for it which would be different than going somewhere and drilling a well and making sure that it will be sustainably maintained within the community and community also gives something to it and, and really wants to handle it for the next 15 years so the well like is not existing only maybe one year but um, it's different if you have like uh, if the cost structure is different you we can't just go there and install one water filter and maintenance and then it's it you have to like regularly go there and not us but um, maintain it and and um, a team should should be able to do it on their own
1: there. Um, I know that you could probably talk for hours on that topic, um, but I would love to uh, give a shout out and uh, then ask you one last question because I I think we already hit the time. Um, like the shout out goes to Reeperbahn Festival and a lot of others because the Klaus Forman uh, coincidence and i don't so much believe in coincidence came because the repavan festival uh, connected us because they said hey you want to do something in la and here check klaus forman and his exhibition and can you do something and and then three years later we are on that point where we talk about these topics and there are so many people who connected us Um, i mean we just got back the um, Lovely confirmation by Sigi Mali to join the Water is a Human Right campaign, which is like a Mali. I mean, probably I, I know that you listen to much more reggae than than I do, so you're much more influenced by the Mali family. But without Mali family, there would be no Vivo Kanapa. I think I can say it like that because it was such a big influence and. Uh, emancipate yourself from mental slavery none but ourselves can free our <laughs> mind is probably the most important sentence in the music uh, um, history or ever written and yeah and then I wanted but before I wanted to ask you what happens next Yeah, we should speak and should maybe give a name to our first pet we're living here in a house with a nice pet Frida has her own pet Pet is a uh, house here, I think. Oh, yeah.
0: yes, but you can also just say red.
1: <laughs> yeah, but you would call the pet red, so <laughs> the name is pet red, Eddie, petty. <laughs> so we got the red. Uh, frankly speaking, every morning I, uh, and it's funny, I haven't known you that. Clean but up the shit of the red. Clean up the shit, but the pee is, it looks like blood. Either our pet petty pet or pet red petty. Maybe it's or a we, female one. And she has uh, menstruation. It's a big issue because probably pets, uh, rats can't go to school, to red school, while they have their menstruation. It's a big issue. But we go into menstruation next week. What else will be next week, Miss Fritz?
0: The first artists will come in. I'm really looking forward to them, so we have to prepare for, um, for them, so we have to make sure that as soon as they're here, the musician can work with local musicians. We're going to have maybe the possibility of going to studio. We want to go um, with him to Skid Row because there's a new plan for new uh, Who is project also in Skid Row. Um maybe we'll tell you next week.:
1: Oh, Lila, Lila Belzona.
0: And then we have the first fashion designer coming in with our upcycling um, collection and maybe you say her name it's so beautiful and
1: it's funny because they are also a couple and they're working quite often uh, together because they also do music together so yeah maybe we do a a special edition podcast series with them (laughs) about how it is working together being on stages uh, like doing this equal uh, blah 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 stuff, and yeah,
0: yeah. And we never did um artist residency with um, a sustainable fashion designer or a fashion designer in general, so we have to prepare a lot, like organize um, sewing machines and whatever. Um, yeah, so um, there's a lot to do, a lot to prepare, and looking forward to that.
1: And we did one thing last week uh, we released our first podcast, Chalkwise number one. Yeah. and uh, we got uh, some feedback and uh, I want to share one and you have a beautiful voice I would agree on that oh. and it was funny because uh, some people said it and uh, yeah so and it's interesting because I, I don't normally listen to stuff like this but I listened a little bit but you listen to my voice quite a lot <laughs> yeah I listen to your voice but Yes, but differently. <laughs> when you speak to me without <laughs> <laughs> a microphone, it's totally different. Uh, the tone, the level and the, uh, the speed of the communication uh, changes. But uh, it's really, uh, the, for me at least, it, uh, it impresses me a lot. Your quality of English is really... I, I, yeah my just mine just sucks but yeah uh, we go into that next week so thanks a lot for um, listening to Dropwise number three you want to say something okay thank you have a nice <laughs> week peopleva <laughs>